We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 30th, 2009. And today we're going to be just going to be fielding questions regarding um, health questions that I've received, particularly the ones that relate to um, boosting our immune system uh, in relation to the coming, this whole thing about the coming swine flu potential pandemic. we're just going to be talking about natural things that you can do, uh, questions that I've received that I've received repetitively. So I figured if I did this, then maybe we could uh, answer some of those questions and, and uh, the people would have that information for them. This will be available in a PDF format. Most of the stuff we're going to be covering today, not all of it, but most of it, because some of it, and, and I'll try to tell you uh, if there's something is in regard to maybe a product that I talk about on how to get it or how to research it more, I'll give you that information on the audio itself. The first thing we're looking at to kind of set the stage here is an article I received from Mike Adams, Natural News, August 27th, and um, this just came out. It was entitled, Setting the People Up to Die, A Conspiracy of Silence About the Swine Flu Natural Remedies goes on to say, it's emblazoned across the front page of USA Today, just underneath a subhead uh, declaring that Michael Jackson was indeed killed by a drug overdose, that the flu could infect half of the United States. The article goes on to describe the predicted number of deaths expected uh, could be up to 90,000 Americans, as well as the actions being taken by the government to protect Americans from the coming swine flu pandemic. Now, we've done several teachings on this whole swine flu um, coming pandemic here, and you can access those. I've done about six in the last two and a half months, six separate parts. So I'm not going to go down that trail again today. I, obviously, there's a lot of more things I could report on that, but a lot of that is just it's it's just repetitive in nature. They're just rehashing and restating the same things. It's just that as we move closer to fall, it's tending to look a little more draconian in what they're trying to, or what they would like to implement. And this is why I'm trying to sound the alarm, as well as many other people are doing the same thing, uh, so that people are educated. If there's enough public outcry toward forced vaccinations, then I believe they're going to have to rethink their agenda. Now, ultimately, it's up to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's on the throne. He's the one that's in control of these situations. Uh, But just trying to sound the alarm as much as I can so people are educated so that they can make informed decisions regarding these things that are coming. Going further, it says, The advice reads like some sort of comic book of health advice for kindergartners. Now, this is the advice we're getting from, like, the government. Okay, And I, I thought the same thing before I had read this. I always thought that. It was like, you know... It's like healthcare advice for kindergartners regarding preventing the, of the swine flu and these types of things. Wash your hands, cover your mouth if you cough, and let the grown-ups take care of you uh, by injecting you with the vaccine. You know, it's like we're in romper room here. And um, going further, it says curiously absent from all the health advice being handed out on the swine flu by the White House, the CDC, which stands for Centers for Disease Control, the WHO, the World Health Organization. And even the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is absent from their recommendations are any mention of natural remedies, colloidal silver, vitamin D, or other things that could be used to you know, boost our immune system function. 
I mean, wouldn't you think that would be the primary thing you would want to do if there was something that was going to come along and, let's say, the hype was all totally true, and this was going to come along and just devastate you and rock your immune system? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think the most logical thing to do would be to build up your immune system prior to that event? But there's no real, there's no real mention of any of that. Okay, and again, as I've said all before, it's all by design that they're they're wanting to do this um, for obvious reasons. Uh, de- depopulation being the first the first reason, and we've got into that subject many times in other subjects. <clears throat> so this says the absence of information from virtually all advice being handed out to the American public is increasingly suspicious. If the pan Okay, sorry about that. The absence of this information from virtually all advice being handed out to the American public is increasingly suspicious. If a pandemic flu is indeed threatening to infect half the U.S. population, and if most of the population is deficient in a nutrient known to strongly prevent influenza infections, wouldn't it make good sense to make a few announcements encouraging Americans to at least raise their vitamin D levels throughout the coming winter. Now, we're going to talk more about this right now, because a lot of people don't realize um, the part that vitamin D can play in your immune system function. Uh, It's a well-known medical fact, of course, that influenza always gets worse, when they say influenza like the flu, okay? Influenza always gets worse during the winter months north of the equator and the summer months south of the equator, which is really their winter months. This is because as sunlight hours lessen during the winter, the people living there become vitamin D deficient and are susceptible to infection, influenza infections of all kinds. The information resources backing this are easy to find. Even our own naturalpediacare.com website reveals a large amount of information on the natural defenses against influenza. Now, this is Mike Adams at Natural News, okay, uh, naturalnews.com. And then naturalnews.com offers a uh, wealth of articles on vitamin D as well. In the realm of peer-reviewed medical literature, searching Google Scholar for the, for the word influenza and vitamin D returns tens of thousands of results. In particular, one study appearing in these search results is entitled Epidemic Influenza and Vitamin D. It was published in 2006 in the Journal of Epidemiology and Infection, and its abstract reads as follows. I'm just going to read you a paragraph, okay? In 1981, R. Edgar Hope Simpson proposed that a seasonal stimulus is intimately associated with solar radiation explain the remarkable seasonality of the epidemic influenza. Okay, now I'm going to kind of try to define this as we go along. Um, Let me read this next sentence here and then we'll kind of give you a recap. Solar radiation triggers robust seasonal vitamin D production in the skin. Vitamin D deficiency is common in the winter and activated vitamin D, which is technically referred to as 125-OH2D, is actually a steroid hormone and has profound effects on human immunity. Okay, so let's, if for people that might be confused about what I just said, because, you know, when you have a, uh, a study like this, it's written kind of in doctor talk. So, 
what this is saying is that when they say solar radiation is when the sun hits your skin, okay, essentially. And what that can do and what it will do is it will, it will cause your body to produce the vitamin D um, through the solar radiation hitting the epidermis of the skin, okay. What happens after that is the vitamin D is in one form, but it's not in the activated form that your body can use. So what happens, has to happen then is that vitamin D will then be transported via the bloodstream to the liver. At the liver, the second uh, process, transformation process of vitamin D, that's where it undergoes, is the liver. And then, that's still not the activated form. It has to go to the kidneys, where the last process is underwent in the body, and then that is actually what we would call activated vitamin D, which is actually a steroid hormone. And I didn't even realize uh, this, a lot of this research is, is, is quite new regarding the immune system, but there's a lot of, of very, in fact I sent this out the other day on my health newsletter, several videos, and um, there was at least two or three doctors in these videos talking about this. And these were MDs that were admitting this. The one guy talked about how he had a whole uh, battery of patients in this, uh, it was a California hospital, and all of his patients were getting, you know, a certain amount of vitamin D3 per day. And normally when the influenza would, would sweep through the hospital, I mean, everybody would get sick, and and this one particular year, he had every, all of his patients on D3, and not one of them came down with influenza. Now, this was an MD saying this, who is trained and indoctrinated into pharmacia, and, and in, the, in, the, in that type of the, the pharmacy, and pharmacological uh, drugs, and yet he was finding this out to be the truth. And, and we're dealing just with vitamin D3 here. Now, what happens is, is during the summer, obviously, the sun is, is more prevalent. Uh, people tend to be outside more. People tend to have less, uh, I guess, less clothing. And even if it's just your arms being exposed, you know, you're going to produce vitamin D from that. Uh, whereas during the winter, you're more covered up, you're inside, and the angle of the sun is, is not conducive to your skin producing vitamin D. Okay, which um, is the reason we have the seasons, okay, the angle of the sun and, and these types of things. So, this is why the influenza strikes more during the winter. This is why they're, they're determining this, and not just this study, but a lot of different studies are determining that this is the reason why people get sick during the winter. The primary reason is just the vitamin D issue alone. Now, there's other things I'm sure you could you could site as well. But this is one of the major ones. And it does make sense because, you know, you produce vitamin D from the sunlight. Now, let's go further. So, this activated vitamin D that we're, we just referenced acts as an immune system modulator, preventing excessive expression of infla inflammatory cytokines and increasing the oxidative burst potential of macrophage macrophages. Um, so what it's saying here is that with this oxidative burst of macrophages, uh, it's helping to boost the immune system naturally, is essentially what it's talking about here. And it's acting as an immune system modulator, meaning it's not forcing the immune system to do something. The immune system is actually modulating things, um, 
meaning it's controlling immune system reactions better. Okay, so because you can have an autoimmune disease where your your immune system is overactive and it's actually attacking everything or, or a lot of different tissues. Okay, so you don't want that either. Going further, perhaps most importantly, it dramatically stimulates the expression of potent antimicrobial peptides. Okay, so this is what the D3 does. It, it increases these antimicrobial peptides, which exist in neutrophils, monocytes, and natural killer T cells, and in, in the epithelial cells lining the respiratory tract, where they play a major role in protecting the lungs from infection. Now, that's where a lot of people will end up getting their, their infections. A lot of times it may start in your throat, but it always ends up in the lungs, if you've noticed. Well, the D3 pre prevents that whole scenario from happening, or at least it can greatly decrease that scenario. So, uh, these antimicrobial peptides that it's talking about here exist in neutrophils, monocytes, and natural killer, killer, killer T cells. Uh, these are um, parts of the immune system that exist, uh, particularly, you know, in the bloodstream. And... Um, they're just part of our immune system. So, volunteers inoculated with live attenuated influenza virus are more likely to develop fever and serological evidence of an immune response in the winter. I mean, why would you give somebody a live attenuated... The word attenuated means partially killed. So, it's, it's a live virus that's been partially killed. Okay? But they're saying here, the volunteers that are inoculated with this live attenuated influenza virus are more likely to develop fever and serological evidence of immune response. Because you're injecting it into them, into their bloodstream, and the immune system will react at that point. Ultraviolet radiation, either from artificial sources or from sunlight, reduces the incidence of viral respiratory infections, as does cod liver oil, which contains the vitamin D. Now, if you're going to go the cod liver oil route, make sure that it's a purified or a molecularly distilled cod liver oil. The liver of whether it's a fish or whether it's a cow or whether it's a human, in today's day and age in particular, is a polluted organ. Okay? The liver is like the oil filter of your car. With the EPA admitting, and this was years back, that we're exposed to up to 75,000 different chemicals on a daily basis, and that the vast majority of them are carcinogenic, meaning cancer-causing. With all that being the case, with the chemtrails, with all the stuff they're doing to the water and the food, and, you know, it goes on and on and on. You've got the vaccines now, you have drugs. You have so many potential chemicals that you're being exposed to today that you would have not been being exposed to 100 years ago. Your liver is under constant, constant stress. People ask me, well, how often should I do detox? Well, I tell them at least once a year. But to be quite honest, for me, because I practice what I preach, I'm always doing some type of liver detox. Always. Because even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to eat as much organic as I can and these types of things... Again, there's a lot of other ways you can get chemical exposure. Just in the house that you, you might live in, the outgassing of the paint, the outgassing of the plastics. You get into a car when it's hot in the summer, you have all the outgassing of the plastics in the car, and when you get in there, it's like a toxic brew. You could go on and on and on, on all the ways that we could potentially be being exposed to these chemicals. The liver is the primary organ that ultimately has to break all that down. 
the, if these toxins get into the bloodstream, they have to go into the liver, and through a process of phase one and phase two, cytochrome P450 enzyme pathways, they have to get broken down. If that cytochrome P450 enzyme pathway is messed up, either in phase one or phase two, what ends up happening is, is let's say phase one is messed up. These are how the toxins are broken down okay, in the body. Well, if phase one is messed up, then what ends up happening is, let's say it's this carcinogenic compound, and phase one's not working, your body's trying to process and get rid of this toxin. Well, it, doesn't, it can't do it because your liver's all gummed up. Your liver's not functioning right. Your liver doesn't have the raw nutrition and the raw materials in order to break these things down. Well, then that carcinogenic compound gets partially broken down and reintroduced back into the bloodstream many times. And now it's even worse. These carcinogens can build up and build up in the bloodstream and ultimately lodge in some organ or some tissue, and you get cancer. That's why I was taught by one of my mentors that all cancer cases are liver cases. At some, in some way, shape, or form, they're all, you need to always treat the liver in a cancer case. It's not the only thing you do. Okay, but it is one of the foundational things you should do in every single cancer case. So, just so you know, that's the things that help to detox the liver naturally are cruciferous vegetables, uh, sulfur, um, the sulfur-bearing compounds of uh, certain uh, cruciferous vegetables are very good. Um, there's a there's a lot of different foods out there that you can eat, but the problem is is Ideally, they should be organic, and um, you know you don't want to overcook it either, because you'll kill all the you'll kill all the enzymatic and the and many of the vitamin structures. You'll you'll mess that up. So, the one of the primary product lines uh, that I use from Standard Process, uh, they've got some uh, probably the best overall cleanse that they have is a cleanse called SP Cleanse. It's just SP cleanse. And that's a good one if you just want to do a total body cleanse. You're going to hit blood. You're going to hit the lymph system. You're going to hit the liver. You're going to hit the colon a little bit. You're going to hit kidneys. And if somebody just wants one-stop shopping for detox, that's probably the best one that, that I know of overall. Uh, SP cleanse. Standard process. If you go up on the internet and do a keyword search for standard process, you'll find them. And then what you can do is they there's an 800 number that you can call. I think I'm going to give that a little bit later. And uh, they'll tell you a practitioner in your area that does that. Now, if you're outside the United States, uh, I don't think they're pre prevalently sold outside the United States. The company's been around since 1929. But, um, again, there's other things that you can do. Beets are an excellent uh, vegetable for detoxing the liver and the gallbladder. Uh, they're what they call a methyl donor um, vegetable, and the beets are very, very good for, uh, for detox, particularly if you really want to key on liver and gallbladder. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Now, also, another thing that I want to uh, mention here is the D3. In all of the articles that I've seen regarding this D3, in all of the, and this didn't surprise me that the medical, the, the medical doctors didn't make any mention of this, but it surprises me a little bit when the natural health companies don't make any mention of it. They'll just say, just take D3, okay? 
Here's the problem you run into. If you go into your average, you know, Walmart or drugstore or even health food store, and you go to get D3, what you're going to get is a synthetically made vitamin D3. Now, ask yourself this question. If you were to get D3 or vitamin D in a cod liver oil or in um, food, is it just going to be some isolated substance with nothing else there? Is it just going to be D3? Is there like a D3 plant and that's all you get? Normally the way God does things, the point I'm trying to make is normally the way God does things is he wraps a vitamin in other cofactors in order to process it properly. Vitamin C is a great example. Vitamin C is not ascorbic acid just because the FDA says it's ascorbic acid. Vitamin, D, vitamin C is actually a, um, a complex molecule with a lot of other things. Ascorbic acid is one part of vitamin C. It is like the outer wrapper. It is the antioxidant component of vitamin C that protects, protects the internal components of it. There's things like organic copper and tyranase and what they call P-factors and J-factors and K-factors in vitamin C. Now, this is Dr. Royal Lee's research that I'm talking about here. Um, but I've got a whole Word document on this that, that explains this. It's called Synthetic Versus Natural. And it's very important because most of the time, if you go to a health food store, you go anywhere, let's say B6. Let's use B6, for example. Okay, I'm going to go get B6. Number one, B6 never occurs on its own in nature. It always has other things that, that are, are cofactors and things like that. These other cofactors are things that help it work. When you synthetically manufacture something in a laboratory, it's not natural and your body doesn't recognize it as natural. It's synthetic. <coughs> Excuse me. It, it has even a different... Uh, we could get real complex here. I don't want to go get too complex in this teaching. But suffice it to say, if you were to go get B6, if a, if a vitamin company is going to put it in a product, what they will do is they'll call up a company like Hoffman LaRoche that manufactures this stuff, and they'll get a 50-gallon barrel of B6 sent to them from Hoffman LaRoche that's made from, like, coal tar extract. And they put that into a vitamin, and they say, ah, this is a natural vitamin, okay? You can, that natural label doesn't mean a whole lot. You put that in your body, and your body treats it essentially like it would treat a drug, which is also a synthetically made compound, usually from something that naturally occurs in nature. Well, like what? Well, like white willow bark. White willow bark, they, they isolated it a long time ago, and they thought that the active component of white willow bark back 100 years ago was acetosalicylic acid. They say, well, white willow bark helps pain and it helps headaches. Well, we'll manufacture the active component of what we think. We're going to play God, and we think that what really matters is this acetosalicylic acid. We're going to isolate that. We're going to synthetically manufacture that in a laboratory, and we're going to call it aspirin. And we're going to make it, and we're going to give it out. Aspirin is the number one cause of macular degeneration. It causes stomach ulcers. It causes a ton of deaths per year. A lot of people die from aspirin. It's not natural. Okay? And, and whereas the white willow bark is natural. But the, but the deal is, is that they can't make any money if they don't get a patent on it. 
So they, they, they can't patent something that occurs naturally in nature. They can't patent white willow bark. God made it. Okay, but they can patent it if they put it in a drug. That's the whole thing. It always boils back to money. The love of money is the root of all evil. So the D3 that I recommend, I said all that to say this, the D3 that I recommend is from an innate response. And um, I think there's another, they have a sister company called Right Foods. And I'm just looking to see if they make a D3 in that form as well. Uh, no, it doesn't look like they do. No, innate response is the only company that I'm going to recommend as far as the D3. Now, I'm not making any money off any of this stuff. This is just a professional line that I recommend and carry. But the reason I'm saying that is if you go up to innaterespons.com, and it's I-N-N-A-T-E-R-E-S-P-O-N-C-E.com, or you can look up an innate response formulas. If you go up to their website, they give you a little explanation of what's going on. Now, they're a little bit new agey, you know, and I'm sorry about that. There's, there's, I, I, I get these questions a lot. Well, you re- you recommended this um, website, and it wasn't KJV only. Listen, there's no way that I can possibly recommend every single website is going to be doctrinally sound or or agree with philosophically with the Bible. And with nutrient companies, that's way rarer because most of them do have some type of new age component. Um, so the bottom line, though, is I've used these nutrients, and they are. They're manufactured, I mean, the, the links this company goes to to make these nutrients is unbelievable. Uh, the way they even ship the nutrients is just insane. I mean, just the links they go to to protect the product during shipping. Every one of their vitamins is manufactured from a food source. They're the only company that I know of, uh, that and Right Foods, which is their sister company, is the only one I know of that's been able to figure out how to do this. It's literally created off of food. And they have got a D3, which is the active form of vitamin D that you need to get, not just regular D, vitamin D, but D-3. That's the one that I would recommend you get. Now, granted, if you have access to nothing else and we're in a pandemic, well, you know, do what you have to do. Get some D3, and even if it's from a synthetic source. But I would say if you're going to do it the ideal way, try to get it from them. They, uh, I even got their 800 number. It's 800-634-6342. 800-634-6342. Now, I'm not sure if you can purchase from them because it is a professional line, and that's what I generally deal with, or professional line nutrients. They're a higher grade. They're these types of things. So that's their number. Right now, they're back-ordered on this, and probably because of all the research that's come out on the D3. So anyway, uh, let's go further here. Uh Okay, so this is a letter that I received. We'll get into some Q&A here. Uh, Hi, Dr. Johnson. Thanks for the newsletters. Uh, Very informative. I have a couple of questions. Maybe you can help my daughter. 17 years old. Got the swine flu last week. Okay. I would have never thought the swine flu... I would have never thought it was the swine flu for the symptoms that she had. But the day before she became ill, a friend of mine said that her two sons... Got it at camp. I took my daughter to the doctor and had her tested, and it was positive. So she actually got confirmed H1N1 swine flu diagnosis. Okay. The first day, she had a sore throat, cough, and fever up to 101. That's not that high of a fever. Okay. Uh, flu is never fun, but it is. it was mild. 
but this is mild compared to most flus. We were able to control her fever with Advil, and after four to five days, she was feeling much better. Now, this is part of my response, but let me just say it right now. Uh, if the fever is not above 104 for, a, for an extended period of time, it is typically best not to lower the fever. Whoa, now you've now you've done it. You've you've crossed the line. How dare you say such a thing? Okay, here's the reason I'm saying that. You remember, you know, I kind of talk a lot about how why God does things certain ways. You know, He makes vitamin C in an orange and He puts it in a complex form. And you know, do you, do you think that He knows what He's doing when He did that? Maybe He knows a little better than we we do. The reason that you don't try to lower an elevated fever unless it's above 104 for an extended period of time is because this is one of the primary ways the body kills off things like bacteria and infections and viruses. They do not thrive and do well and they cannot live at an elevated body temperature. Your fever is the way, one of the primary mechanisms of the immune system to accomplish the eradication of whatever you're fighting off. If you artificially lower it with aspirin, or in this case she used Advil, then what's going to end up happening is, you know, the thing's going to probably last a whole lot longer, and it may get worse. You may give it another foothold. So, fevers are actually a very good thing. Now, granted, if it's above 104, you know, it's it's extended period of time or whatever, you know, do what you have to do. But just wanted to kind of throw that in. Um, so let's go further. She has never had the flu before. And of course, over the past 40 plus years, I've had the flu. I woke up on the fourth day of my daughter being sick with a sore throat. And again, when I say that about lowering the fever, I, I don't mean to be condescending or whatever. I, I don't mean to, I'm just saying, I'm trying to add a little bit of levity to the whole thing. Most people don't know that. And I didn't know it for a long time either. So don't, don't get that impression either. So if we go further... Uh, she woke up the fourth day, her daughter being sick with a sore throat. <clears throat> she, the mother did. She woke up the fourth day of her daughter being sick with a sore throat. So she thought to herself, well, now I've got it. I did not have a temperature or a cough. Six hours later, the sore throat was gone. Six hours later, the sore throat was gone. <clears throat> now, her daughter's already had a confirmed diagnosis of the H1N1 swine flu from the MD. Okay, so we have the diagnosis. What else could she have caught? Her mom. Her mom was around her, you know. Okay, so, she, so it appears very heavily that her mom caught it as well. But six hours later, the sore throat was gone. She was feeling fine. And then she said, that was it. Six hours of a sore throat. I talked to my friend and she said the same thing happened to her while her boys had the swine flu. Same thing. Now I'm hearing other people of my age and older in the community talk about getting a sore throat for less than a day. Many kids in my community are getting swine flu, and they don't even know they have it because it's such a non-event. Oh, but we're at a level six pandemic level worldwide, and everybody's going to die tomorrow unless we all get the three-stage vaccination with our thimerosal and squalene and all the fun chemicals that go along with it. I mean, I mean, you know, evidently the this uh, hysteria, is, it seems as though it's well justified. <sighs> so, the media makes it out to be so bad, and it's really a very mild flu. 
I mean, the swine flu up to this date has probably killed way less than the regular flu has. But every death is reported on regarding the swine flu. They're going to cross every T and dot every I and let everyone know how many people... The people that are dying from the swine flu right now, the H1N1, the, the current hysteric uh, pan, you know, pandemic that we're under, those are people, they've proven it time and time again, that already were on their way out, most likely. They already were immunocompromised. And this was the one last thing. It would be like, you know, somebody that was ready to kick the bucket. I'm sorry, for lack of better words. And they've got one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. And you do the one last thing. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. They get the H1N1 swine flu. Taylor's thinking all this is very funny. And, and um, they, they do the one thing that puts them over the edge. What do you expect? If it wasn't the swine flu, it would have been something else. Sorry. A little levity there. Anyway, do you think that, she asked me then, do you think that my age group is only getting the sore throat, that we were able to fight the human part, the cough and the fever, because we have already had it while growing up? Now, when she says the human part, okay, this current H1N1 has three parts. It's um, swine, avion, and human. It's a three-part deal. It really is inaccurate to call H1N1 swine flu because the swine flu is just one part of it. Okay? It's also avion, which you've heard me talk a lot about in the past. It's also human. It's a bioengineered, it's bioengineered in a laboratory. That's been essentially you know, proven at this point. These types of things just don't normally naturally occur in nature. She's asking me, do you think that people of her age group were able to fight the swine flu, the cough, and the fever because they already had it while growing up? But since the swine, the swine part is new to us, we caught only that part of the flu. Oh, it's an interesting proposition. And again, it's hard to be dogmatic. I know you've heard me say that before, but... I do, you know, obviously when you catch something once... Many times what your body will do is build up a natural immunity. It's the whole thing of catching chickenpox. You never will get it again. Or a lot of the childhood diseases that people are vaccinated for that you know aren't life-threatening. Your body has a little gland behind your breastbone called the thymus gland. And it's really a cool gland. I even sold shirts in my office that said I love the thymus. I heart thymus. No, I'm just kidding. Teasing, teasing. Um, but it's a cool gland because um, what this gland does, and it's 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 when you're born, it's actually quite large. It's it's uh, it's way larger, and then as you get older, it shrinks and shrinks, and to the point when you're like in your 30s to 40s, it's almost it's almost kind of non-existent unless you're doing things to actually support it. And it's like a computer chip that when you get sick, it identifies and tags friend or foe. And it, what it will do is, is if you're exposed to something and your immune system is, a, is at a high enough level, your body will be able to deal with it. Okay, because the thymus gland is looking, it's tagging, it's saying, it's, it's analyzing, and it's saying, okay, this is this. Okay, here's what I have to do to deal with it. Many times you'll get sick from something once. And then the next time you're exposed to it, thanks to the thymus gland that the Lord Jesus Christ put there, well, you don't get sick the next time. It's really awesome. It's part of your immune system. Okay, so that would be the explanation I would have to give her regarding uh, 
you know, if if the older people who haven't been ex- who have been exposed to the other possible components of the H1N1, but not the swine, why they're not getting as sick, you know. Uh, so anyway, let's go further. Also, I'm thinking that now my daughter and I are immune to the swine flu, right? Do you think if they force vaccines on people, we would be exempt? <laughs> no, I do not. I am more concerned about the vaccine than this stupid mild flu. Okay, now... Uh, okay, that's kind of a... I don't want to just give a short little answer on that. She's, she's thinking that they're going to be immune to the swine flu. Okay, possibly. And do you think if they force vaccines on us, we would be exempt? No, absolutely not regarding that they would be exempt. That is irrelevant to this draconian agenda regarding the vaccinations. Okay, and please see the other six studies I've done. Actually, I've done studies further back than that. I've probably done about a total of nine altogether on avian and swine flu. Uh, if mandatory vaccinations are imposed, it will be irrelevant if you've had the swine flu or not. They're not going to care about any of that, uh, as they want everyone to get vaccinated, regardless of any past history. It's, it's, it's a matter of a control mechanism. It's a matter of them wanting to inject you with this unbelievably questionable vaccine. And then I go on to say, yes, the man-made swine flu has only killed a very small percentage of people compared to the regular flu. I mean, worldwide, it's killed a very small percentage. Yet, why aren't we under a level six pandemic on regular flu? It's killed, I, I guarantee you this year, it's killed more people than the swine flu. I mean, statistically speaking, I believe it kills up to 30,000 people in the U.S. alone every year. Well, again, it's their agenda. But this proves that in its current form, and that's the key, in its current form, the H1N1 is less virulent than the regular flu. Yet we're under level six regarding the other. Hmm. So, uh, when she's saying, I'm thinking that my daughter and I are now immune to the swine flu. Well, in its current form, yes, you probably are. That's not going to matter to Big Brother, you know, if they're able to implement forced vaccinations worldwide. And that's why I do these teachings. I mean, to warn people, and so that there's going to be enough public outcry. Most importantly, for from a Christian standpoint, that there's enough prayer, you know, behind this thing. And, you know, you, my will be done, not yours, Lord. I don't know what the Lord's will is regarding this. I mean, it's hard to, it, you, you can't uh, put yourself on the throne of God and say, well, this is absolutely God's will regarding this event. I, I'm not 100% sure how it's going to play out. I believe I know how they would like it to play out. They meaning is in regard to a depopulation tool and a control mechanism and a, and a mechanism to make the masses um, sick. A sick population is very easy to control. We're, 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 and we will talk more about this in the study, this whole thing with the vaccine. Now, so I've, I've answered that part of the question. Uh, when she says, I'm thinking my daughter and I are immune to the swine flu, I would have to say to this, not necessarily. In its current form, yes, you are. But we don't know in totality what is going to actually be in the upcoming swine flu vaccines. Now, I understand. I've done teachings where we said, okay, what's in the swine flu? You know, the formerazole and the squalene and, 
you know, these things. But we don't really 100% know what they're going to put in it. And particularly if it's a three-part shot, like they're talking about. We've got to get three parts. Everybody in the world needs a three-part vaccine to protect against this terrible, terrible swine flu. So what we don't know at this point is the mutation that may actually be part of the three-part vaccinations that they've talked about. Now, again, I've done a whole study, did a 14-city tour in the avian flu three years ago, and you can go up on the Internet and watch the presentation, and um, I, I redid it in a PowerPoint format and put it up on YouTube. And I'll give you all those links in this PDF. You can go watch all this for free. I mean, this took me... I can't, I mean, six, five, six months just to do the research on the avian flu presentation. I'm just giving it away um, because I'm trying to warn as many people as I possibly can. You can also buy the presentation from David Bay. Uh, he sells the, the presentation off cuttingedge.org. But um, if you wanted the DV format, DVD, it's a well-proven fact, and we proved it in the avian flu presentation, that in 1918, the primary cause of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, 1918-1919, that killed probably at minimum 50 million people worldwide, were the tainted vaccines. And the doctors were honest enough to admit it in their medical reports. And I cite three different sources where they admitted it, that the vaccines caused worse and worse things leading up to the... And there was, def, there was different vaccines they gave leading up to the Spanish flu of 1918. And, and these people that got these vaccines, one day they would be hale and hearty, as was the exact verbiage of one lady that was an on-site observer, and the next day they'd be dead. And they were the ones that were vaccinated. And the ones that weren't vaccinated were fine. Uh, the 1976 swine flu thing that you see, that 60 Minutes report that's up on the internet now. You can go watch it from then. They're, they're the ones that got they're the ones that got sick. They're the ones that got Guillain-Barre syndrome. And a lot of them died, and a lot of them have permanent nerve damage to this day, and there was this gigantic class action suit. But, it, you know, a lot of this stuff is suppressed in the news. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to do the math in your own head here regarding, you know, if, if you trust this. Um, if there is a mutation that occurs of the H1N1, and this mutation is propagated through the vaccines via one through three of the vaccines, um, this is what you would really have to be concerned about, okay, the mutated version. Let's say the mutated version was much more virulent, and let's say the mutated version was much more easily transmissible airborne, then that would be a definite concern. And who knows what other, other coxic brew that they may be putting in there. Another thing with the one through three flu shot, what you could be getting, and this could be done in conjunction with chemtrail spraying as well, or something that they put in the foods or the water, I'm just giving possible scenarios. I'm not being dogmatic about anything. I'm just throwing out things to think about here. Um, <clears throat> you may have what they call a binary or a tertiary activation, meaning the first flu shot that you get, oh, you know, yeah, I got a little sick or whatever, but I'm, 
you know, I'm dealing with it. And then the second one, then you really get devastated. And then the third one, who knows? There may be other activating factors that when combined with the other shots in the bloodstream, that may be what puts you over the edge. For some reason, there was this, a long time ago, I saw like this Batman episode. And it, and it had this same theme, where like, you know, it was when the woman used the lipstick and ate the lima beans that it happened, that she died. You know what I mean? It was two different things that they had two different you had to have this binary activation, binary meaning two, together in order to actually put you over the edge. Something to think about. Food for thought. Okay, so let's go further on this lighthearted subject. Um, this is a, a, an email I got from a guy. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I got this. And, he, and it's, it was entitled, you know, he sent the article, The Swine Flu May Infect Half of the U.S., that's what they're predicting. It may infect half of the U.S. Now, again, if it goes to this highly virulent, possibly mutated version, it's already man-made. Half of the U.S. could be in some serious devastation here. And then it, it may kill 90,000. This is from Bloomberg, August 24. Swine flu may infect half the U.S. population this year, hospitalize 1.8 million, and lead to 90,000 deaths, according to White House advisors. 30% to 50% of the country's population will be infected this fall and winter. It said will be. Will be? Wow, that's pretty dogmatic. And again, we've already went over the vitamin D information, and we know the, the reason that people are more susceptible in the winter, one of the primary reasons is the low D production, because you're not getting the sunlight. That's easy to compensate for. But no, they don't want to mention that. No, no. We're just helpless to do anything about it. So, going further, according to this plausible scenario outlined in today's report, as many as 300,000 patients may require treatment in hospital intensive care units. Now, this is a whole other thing that you might not have thought about, but if, if you've got all of these people pouring into the hospitals that have to have treatment for the H1N1 swine flu or whatever... The hospitals are going to be a non-factor. If somebody has a heart attack or somebody has something else, you know, you're going to have pandemonium going on. There's not going to be enough hospital beds. There's not going to be enough room. There's not going to be enough resources. And I've stated that in that avian flu presentation that I did, that this could happen literally overnight. And all of these supposed treatments for these things will a lot of times also be gobbled up overnight. It says that um, <clears throat> filling this this could fill 50 to 100 percent of all beds available in those facilities. So you could see a lot, a lot of the other collateral damage that could happen from that alone. Now this this man he had emailed this article out to his email list, and then he said he goes on to say here here they go again, trying to hype and scare us into submission. Don't be fooled. I'm like I'm like okay good. Uh, and then he goes on to say detox your body and build your immune system. I'm like yeah good job. And then he says, a real zinger here, <laughs> he says, stock strategy. So now all of a sudden, we're getting these pearls of wisdom, which I'm in agreement with. Don't believe the scare and the hype, don't be fooled, build and detox your body, build your immune system. And then, and then to the financial page, he says, stock strategy, hold your nose 
I'm serious about this when I'm reading. Hold your nose and buy Novartis Sanofi Adventus, who will make billions of profits from the vaccine sales in this genocidal scam. What? What did I just hear? Let me read that again. Hold your nose by Novartis Sanofi Adventus, who will make billions of profits from the vaccine sales. In this, he's admitting this genocidal scam. Genocide, mass genocide, math death. Okay, I, okay. And then I'll just read the rest and I'll give you my response. Did you know that the CDC says the regular flu kills 36,000 per year? And again, that's what I said before. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control, emits up to 36,000 per year just from flu alone. Why all the scare over the H1N1 when it's killed far less than that, even worldwide? Great point. Mercury and squalene parts of the vaccine will eventually decimate your immune system. Do your own research. I agree, okay? But that zinger in the middle, I had a little bit of a problem with the old stock strategy tip. I emailed him back. I said, you cannot be serious. And then I, I reposted the stock strategy tip about buy Novartis, Novartis Sanofi Aventus to make, uh, make a killing or whatever. Hold your nose and buy it. As you inferred, these are the very companies that will reap billions off this genocide. If you were to make a dime from them by buying stocks, then you were in league with them in this genocide, particularly if you know about the genocide. I understand if you already had invested with them or whatever and you weren't aware of any of this information, but he's fully aware. And I told him, I said, this is called blood money. Ever hear that term, blood money? That's what this is. And it will most assuredly bring a curse on you and judgment from God. You don't want to do this. Blood money, that you don't want to reap blood money off anything, okay? Which is money made off the deaths of others. Uh, particularly if, as a born-again Christian. You want to really, really be careful about that type of stuff. So, let's go further now. Uh, this question, let's see here. This is from Murray, or Gloria, and she said... Um, further to your teachings, I am interested in the Invive colloidal silver. I live in South Africa, and I've been able to find any. Do you still have any? And if so, can I get it from you? Can it be mailed here in South Africa? Okay, my... Uh, my response is... Well, if you go to my website, at www.drdr-com, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot com, www dot D-R dash, meaning the little dash line in the middle, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot com. If you go to that website, you can, um, you can order any place on the planet off that website. That website goes through the factory. When I went on tour three years ago or whatever, I asked in Vive if they would put up a website for me and deal with the orders that would come in because I knew I was going to get a lot of interest and I didn't want to just go out there and tell them about a product and not give them a way to get it. So if um, you order from them, you're ordering through the factory, factory direct, they ship all over the world. They're you know, very good about getting the products out. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the silver later. But uh, 
you can actually go up there too if you're concerned about, okay, how much is this going to cost me to get it shipped? Well, go up there and place, start placing an order for what you want. Before they actually get to the point where they charge your credit card, you will find out how much the shipping is going to cost. I get this question a lot, and that's why I wanted to do this study, because, you know, hopefully I can answer some questions now and, and head some off at the pass. So that would be my answer to her. Uh, another question that I got received, I am a listener to your podcast. Thank you for your information on your sermons in preparation of the bird and swine flu. It, I took your advice and purchased a few bottles of the Invive uh, 5,000 part per million malts over protein. My question is stemming from preparing for what to do about the inevitable swine flu forced vaccinations. I know that we should not take it, but I am hearing that we will be hauled off and quarantined if we do not. I am not sure which would be better. If we die, we would be with the Lord. Personally, my I'm talking about what I'm personally committed to is never, ever letting them inject that into me. Okay. Um, no way. No way. I don't know what's in this stuff. I have said this before. I've got two separate teachings on this. On Pharmakia, if you look up Pharmakia or Pharmacy in the Sermon Audio, uh, my Sermon Audio website at Sermon Audio under Dr. Scott A. Johnson. <clears throat> I don't know what's in this. I've, been, I've done two studies under Pharmakia on inoculations and how this is tied in with a uh, the most nefarious, malevolent, information that I could possibly present to you regarding the pharmaceutical companies and their agenda. And this goes back a long way. I don't know what's in them in totality. I, yes, we, we know a lot of the, the ingredients that we do know are horrific. I have said this before, though, as well. There are, right in the slide presentation that I did on the avian flu, I show you 13 different vaccines that are out there including like MMR and measles, measles, mumps, rubella, and some other ones, I believe chickenpox was one, that are grown and cultured off aborted babies. They call them human diploid cells. And all you have to do is, is, if you don't believe me, is go into the PDR, the physician's desk reference, which is like the Bible for all the pharmaceutical drugs, and look it up, and you can see for yourself. What is it cultured off? It'll say human diploid cells. I'm not making this stuff up. And they tell you exactly where the aborted baby, what tissue they use by the strain that they'll give you. What kind of curse may you be bringing on yourself by taking the vaccines is really the question that needs to be asked. It really is a, uh, a matter of um, Christian principle, I believe, regarding this issue. Aborted babies? Why aren't the pastors worldwide jumping up and down behind their pulpits on this one issue alone would be if all the Christians united would be enough to bring the whole vaccine facade and industry down. Oh, but they ended all these diseases back in the early 1900s or, or you know into the 40s and 30s. No, they didn't. There's been whole books written about how that was a farce, that those diseases were on the decline due to better sanitation and, and other things that were going on at the time. 
there's a whole bar graph chart that you can look at in this one particular book where it shows you the like polio, how it was going down, and all these other ones, and then the vaccines were implemented right when they were on their way out. And there's usually a spike in those those diseases again because those a lot of those vaccines were actually recausing the very things they were supposedly preventing. It's not natural to have a partially attenuated virus injected into your bloodstream, bypassing all the other natural immune system pathways. It's just not natural. It's not something your body's equipped to deal with. It causes autoimmune reactions. It's a proven fact that um, the polio vaccines, I believe of the 60s and 70s, had a virus in it called SV40 virus, which was a virus that the, um, it's a cancer-causing virus that was a contaminant from the monkey. Um, they, they cultured um, some of the vaccines off green Reese's monkey kidneys. Now, I'm not lying, they did. They use monkeys and chicken embryos and aborted babies to culture a lot of these vaccines off. In other words, that's the medium upon which they grow. And you're telling me that's not cursed? You put that into your body, you inject it straight into the bloodstream? I'm talking what's happening to us on a spiritual level when this takes place. I don't know because I can't see into the spiritual world yet. I, mean, I don't have my third eye opened. I don't want to have my third eye opened. That's an occultic term, but anyway. We don't, we don't know. I don't want to take any chances. So, and here's another thing I'm going to bring up. There's been a lot of talk, I've seen more and more increasingly in the last year or two. This Pastor Michael Hoggard, he's got a whole series of lectures that he's doing, and you can buy them up on Cutting Edge, on the DNA of human beings. And how he believes, I believe this is the premise behind some of it, and I've only watched one of the teachings, but the premise seems to be that all of this interest in human DNA. Now, the Bible says, and you've heard me say this many times, I've done so many studies on this subject, so I don't want to get into it too, too heavily, but Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Okay? What was the biggest thing going on in Noah's day if you were taking a news crew back there? Well, obviously, it was that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they went down, they fell, and they took all of them whom they chose as wives, and in those days were giants, they, women bear, bear them giants, and the world got so wicked that God had to wipe the whole planet out, save eight people, and the animals on the ark. That's what a big deal it was. Well, Satan has always been, since the Garden of Eden, trying to destroy or corrupt the seed of man. God said in Genesis 3 when he pronounced the judgment on Satan and Eve that I will put enmity between thee, between the seed of the serpent and between the seed of Eve. And I believe ever since then, Satan has been trying to corrupt the seed of mankind. To, and, and originally pre-flood, pre-Jesus Christ to corrupt the seed line so Jesus Christ could never come via an uncorrupted human. Why is there this gigantic push today to get all this stuff injected in this? Why is there all of these bioengineering things and these cloning things that they're doing? They're combining, you know, animal and, and um, 
literally some vegetables, the DNA, they're splicing stuff. They're, they're combining different animals together, making these, they're called chimeras. Um, you know, pigs and cows and all these other stupid things that they're doing, humans, and, and they're putting human DNA with a lot of this stuff. Well, did God do it wrong when he created the animals and mankind? No, he didn't do it wrong. But but Satan, who is behind a lot of this, is seeking to corrupt the seed. Personally, I feel the vaccinations are a further attempt to corrupt the seed line of mankind. I don't know what kind of other DNA... I said all that to say this. I don't know what kind of other DNA they may be putting in these flying, uh, swine flu shots. Let's say they use a partially attenuated or partially killed H1N1. Partially attenuated possible DNA of pigs, humans, birds. Who knows what else they may be doing? The Bible says in Daniel that they, and I believe this meaning the fallen angels, will mingle themselves with the seed of men. Regarding the end times, regarding the clay and the iron and the feet of Daniel that he describes, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. I don't trust them, and I'm not going to uh, willfully let them inject me with any of these poisons. I don't know what it could be doing to me on a spiritual level. Something to think about. That's a whole other can of worms to contemplate and ponder. Uh, so, anyway, hopefully that answers the question about the four. I'm not telling, you know, you have to make up your own mind. You know, my disclaimer on this whole teaching, you know, is I'm just trying to help you make informed decisions. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not trying to offer you or, or prescribe you anything or render you you know, these types of things. I'm not claiming a cure. I can't do any of that stuff for FDA reasons. Okay? So, you have to make up your own mind. Um, this is my commentary. So, going further, this is my question is this. If we end up taking the shot, is it possible to immediately take the MSP, by that he says the mild silver protein, to kill anything that was injected into our system? These things are hard to envision, but my mind has been racing of ways to think to save my wife and my kids from what's about to come. Obviously, the best thing to do is pray, and I have to continue to do so, but I was wondering your thoughts on the silver. Now, again, I've done a whole teaching on imprecatory prayers, Christian's door of hope. There's a lot of Bible verses that you could quote and dwell on regarding, you know, these types of things. You know, in Psalm 64, Hear my voice, O God. And my prayer, hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. You're asking God to hide you. Psalm 91, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in thy hands, lest thy dash thy foot against a stone. A thousand shall fall at thy right hand, but ten thousand at thy... You know, you could go on and on and on about the, the prayers that you could pray uh, in Psalms alone. Now, you have to have the faith to believe God can do all of that. So that's primarily the way that I believe we need to seek protection. Um, but he's saying if we took the shot, which I would personally, I'm never going to advise that, but that's up to you. Um, 
will the MSP kill anything that was injected into our system? The MSP, the mouse of a protein, particularly if you're taking 5,000 parts per million, has the potential, because of its strength and its purity, it's been proven over and over again. Silver kills bacteria, viruses, candida, yeast, these types of things. It does. It kills it. The problem that you're going to run into with the shots is even if you were able to eradicate the viruses, I don't know what the side effects of the other things are going to be, like the squalene and the thimerosal, which is you know about half mercury, and the other things that, that are, are going to be in there. You may be able to kill the infectious component with the mild silver protein, but the other stuff, mild silver protein doesn't act as a detoxifier. It doesn't detox, it doesn't, it doesn't act like a liver stimulant. You know, it doesn't help the liver get this stuff out of your system quicker. Now, there is a company called NDF, Natural Defense Systems, I believe. And that's the company that I tell people that if they've had their kids vaccinated and they come down with autism, or whatever, attention deficit disorder, whatever thing they, they end up getting, that's the product I point people to. You can find it up on the internet. I believe it's BioRay is the company that makes it. BioRay, B-I-O-R-A-Y, N-D-F. Just uh, those three letters. If you take that, now they've got a, they've also got a liver cleanse, and the NDF helps to get a lot of the heavy metals and a lot of the things out of the system uh, in the vaccines. Now, again. To me, that's not the way to go because you're actually getting the poisons in you and now you're figuring ways to get them out of you. But I understand the premise of the question. Um, I would do a two-part thing. I would use the mild silver protein and I would also use uh, the NDF and then also do a liver cleanse. And another thing that I've seen is, is if you get injected, you take a cold pack and put it over the site right away. This Dr. Blaylock came out with all these recommendations recently on what to do if you're vaccinated. The problem I had with what most of the stuff he was recommending were all synthetic vitamins. And again, I just explained the whole thing about the natural versus synthetic vitamins, and I just don't believe that's the way to go. Now, if that's all you have access to, that's one thing. But he said the main thing you do is put the uh, an ice pack over the injection site to... Um, uh, contain the inflammatory response and probably the histamine reaction that may take place. So, there's those, but the other things that I would say would be most important would be the mild silver protein, would be uh, the um, mild silver protein max dosage on that stuff, if you were actually had the pandemic, and I'm going to talk about this later, would be one tablespoon to one to one teaspoon for every 30 pounds of body weight per day. One tablespoon would be like if you were going to die, you know, and you were, but one teaspoon would be more like if you were, you know, let's say you got vaccinated and you, and, or, or you came down with something and it was one of these man-made virulent synthetic strains, one teaspoon um, per 30 pounds of body weight per day until you're out of the woods. But if it was really, really bad, you can go all the way up to one tablespoon. So, again, I'll get into that a little bit later. Those would be the primary things I would focus on. Um, detoxification, building up your immune system, uh, and, and uh, really the silver, what the silver does is it, is it acts as a secondary immune system in the body. The silver 
um, has what they call a zeta potential on it, and the zeta potential essentially zaps the um, bacteria. That's one of the ways the silver works. It also works by a method of, uh, I believe, suffocation of the, of the actual, uh, whether it's bacteria, viruses, and these types of things. The silver also is a trace mineral. And it's just like other trace minerals that we need. Just we don't think in those terms a lot of times as silver being something that we would need. You know, we know we need magnesium and calcium and these types of other things, but silver is also a trace mineral. So it is something the body has a need for and has and does play a part in the immune system. So that would be the things I would say would be the most important to try to keep it this simple because Blaylock's recommendations, it was like 15 things. I have found that if you tell a patient to do 15 things, they'll just throw up their hands and do nothing. If you give them a few things, a lot of times they can handle that. 15, normally not. Uh, okay, so let's go further. Uh, actually, I tell you what, let's go, let's go to part two here because we're out of time for part one. One other thing before I end part one is I'd like to just to put out a prayer request if I could. I'm going to be meeting with uh, uh, me and another, I think two or three Christian brothers are going to be meeting with our sheriff this week in our town and um, regarding the possible forced vaccination scenario. Just more of an education type of uh, uh, visit we're going to have. Um, I would just, you know, ask if you could give us some favor there. If, the, if, if it be the Lord's will that we'd have favor in this particular meeting, obviously the consequences are pretty um, serious. And also the other prayer request that I had mentioned the week before uh, for this Friday night coming, um, me and another Christian in this case, a sister are going to be in a situation where uh, it's going to be potentially a very demonic type of situation that we may be in, uh, evil type of thing, and um, more of a spiritual warfare type of trip that we're going to be taking. And um, there may be witches and warlocks and things of that nature where we're going. And I don't really want to say a whole lot more about it, but I feel very compelled to go. To this, I don't have any fear of it, but I would ask for your prayers, and um, hopefully I can give you an update at a later time regarding these two uh, situations that I just mentioned. So, uh, thank you for your prayers, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.